0: Welcome to Game Sense, brought to you by Rookie Me Central. I'm your host, Michael Alvaro. Joining me today for a special combined edition of the show is Chief Editor Peter Williams and Women's Football Analyst Elise Collette. I'll run you through today's agenda in our episode. We're going to run through the fallout from the AFLW Awards Night and hear from key award winners Emily Bates and Mimi Hill. We'll be previewing the AFLW and NAB League Girls Grand Finals, including an interview with Western Jets coach Robbie Chancellor. We'll then take a look at the South Australian and West Australian sides for the AFLW Under-18 Championships, a clash which takes place on Sunday, and we'll round out our key talking points of the state leagues from across the country. All that and more in Game Sense. Let's get stuck into it. The highlight of the weekend's action, of course, will be the AFLW Grand Final, and I know Pete and Elise are both very much looking forward to it. Of course, Elise with a bit of a dog in the the, uh, race in her Melbourne supportership. So I'll throw to you first. First of all, how are you today?
1: Good, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure, as always. Um, How are you feeling, first of all, given the Demons are, yeah, only a few days off the grand final?
1: A mixture of emotions, actually. Like, this has been a long time coming. And, yeah, I put on my um, supporter hat for a second. uh, I'm just proud of those girls for having finally made it. There have been so many almost mm. conferences, ladder f- structures meant that they haven't been able to make it, but they finally have and yeah, bring it on.
0: Yeah. Of course, it's first versus second. Excuse me. And, and Pete, how are you today? Yeah, pretty good, and um, I don't quite have the same uh, dog in the race, but I did tip Adelaide for the flag, so there's that.
2: Yeah, um, but other than that, I don't really <laughs> have a, a persuasion either way. So yeah, should
0: yeah, be good. Well, it should yeah, of course, should be an exciting contest. As I said, first, first, second. Um, we'll recap the prelim final results just quickly. And, and Ali, of course, Melbourne got up over Brisbane, um, bringing the Lions premiership defence. To an end, um, great result there, especially considering that's a side with so many, um, I guess, inaugural players and, of course, the W Awards, um, League Best and Fairest, Emily Bates. So, great result for the Ds there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it was a tight contest all afternoon, like, it, especially, yeah, with that goal with, what, 36 seconds left or something. You just didn't know who was going to win. And it was the perfect, perfect spectacle for the occasion, if that makes sense it being the first AFLW game on the MCG. So, yeah, it was a great game to watch.
0: Absolutely. And uh, the Crows got up pretty convincingly against Fremantle, Pete. Um, Obviously the minor premier and a a raging hot favourite and the one that you tipped at the start of the year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah, I've sort of had faith in them all year because they're just so strong. And I think this year, look, I know they've they've won flags before. They don't have an issue with uh, getting it done on the biggest stage. But... Um, I I think this year particularly, they're probably a bit more motivated. One, they lost last year. uh, And two, the fact that they know Port Adelaide's coming into the competition. So I think they'll be pretty hungry because from all regards, Port will be heavily targeting them. And I mean, in in fairness, it's the first time they'll be targeted quite heavily. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. But uh, yeah, I I think they'll just be extra motivated for this one.
0: So give me a rundown for the Crows. Um, Obviously, it's a team with a whole lot of very very high level players um, are there any I guess players you think will step up on the big stages they have done previously um, and, and what are some of the strengths we can expect to see across that crow side? yeah well see Adelaide are very much sort of that kicking uh, and marking side
2: they they're very prolific in that regard they like driving the ball forward um, you know they're not they they're a high possession team but they don't rely on it necessarily. Um, you know, there's someone who will get it inside 50 and, and give their forwards a lot of opportunities Um they're, they're so stacked through the midfield and forward line. Let's be honest. Um, you've got Ann Hatchard, you've got Ev Marinoff, um, Aaron Phillips, uh, and then of course, permanent forward, Ash Woodland, who's been a fantastic story who um, ironically, of course, played for the Ds, um, got delisted, went back to the sample W and, and then for, won the sample W leading goal kicker and then made her way back. So, it shows there are that second chance, and I'm sure there's a, there's a ton of fantastic stories like that. So that's going to be a really good story. I think that, yeah, their forward line's really potent. Um, I do know um, a talking point is obviously no Montana McKinnon this week, which means um, the Crows will be a little lighter on, on in that regard. So um, could could be a big job for Zoe, Zoe Prowse if she comes in. Mm. Um, so that'll be a, a really interesting one, or depending on how they go with it, because, of course, they're without um, Ryan Metcalf and, and whatnot. So... Um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting through that But they do have the the mids to be able to cope with that, I think Um, And I think that's what I'm mostly looking forward to in this game Uh, The midfield battle uh, And then also, I think I feel like Adelaide will be really, really strong going into attack But um, defensively, Melbourne hold up well So I think it'll be more up that end than the other end But um, yeah, Adelaide still have to do well when it's uh, in their defensive end So it's going to be quite interesting, I think And we saw that when they last played in South Australia too
0: Absolutely, and we know, of course, that Montana McKinnon factor, the fact that she's not playing, means that the All-Australian ruck Lauren Pierce has a a big role to play. I know Ali's a big fan of her, and um, Ali, obviously, you've watched the Ds every week. Um, you know how they play, so what are they going to bring to the grand final and who are a few of the key players to watch?
1: I reckon this speed is going to be a huge factor because particularly the last couple of weeks, we've shown we've seen sorry the likes of... Alyssa Bannon and Eliza McNamara really used their speed to their advantage, particularly particularly Bannon on the on the big round of the G last week. So, yeah, I think that'll be a, a key thing key thing to see. And yeah, the midfield battle is as Pete mentioned is always going to be an entertaining one to watch because you've got got the ball of of Karen Paxman mixed in with that. Youth, youth and talent of the likes of, of Lily Mithen and Tyler Hanks and yeah it's going gonna to be an interesting one particularly down Melbourne's defensive end because you've got uh, got the tall very talented defenders of of Libby Birch and, uh, and Gab Colvin but Erin Phillips <laughs> she was such a thorn in Melbourne's side last time these two sides met so they're going to definitely have to watch her more closely than they did back in round four or whatever it was i i can't remember what round it was but yeah and then up the other end you've got the combination of taylor harris and daisy pierce that's really come to the fold this season Uh, if they they click and and work together really well that could be very, very dangerous and exciting to watch for Melbourne fans.
0: Looking forward to it. Um, Of course, the grand final in the AFL women's competition will be held at Adelaide Oval on Saturday at 12pm local time. So that means for all the Melbourne fans out there or anyone in Victoria looking to watch, it's 12.30. Um, I will get both of your tips for this game. Um, Ali, I know you're going to go with Melbourne.
1: Marjorie? I reckon it'll be close. I'll go a goal.
0: And best of field? Oh. Lauren Pierce. Thank you. All yeah,
1: right. I <laughs> was actually. To be fair, I was actually about to say Lauren Pierce.
0: Beautiful. All right, it works out. Pete, tip margin, best of field?
2: Yeah. Look, I, I think I'm going to go. Uh, I think with uh,
0: look pretty stock standard. I think it's hard.
2: Look, I'll go Anne Hatchard. I think I could have named about four million players there, but um, Anne Hatchard, and I
0: think they'll probably win by. 13 points, something like that. I think it's going to be a draw oh my God. Oh, going no. into extra time. Oh. The Crows will get up and Ebony Marinoff will be best of field. That's re- my
2: tip. Do you reckon they'll uh, allow enough time on the broadcast for it to go to extra time? I hope the sprinklers
0: cut- don't come on. Um, that's probably another <laughs> issue. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But hopefully it all works out. Um, hopefully we see the end. So, Yeah, so well, hopefully we not cut to yeah.
2: a rerun of Better Homes and Gardens or
0: something. Well, we'll have people in attendance, so that shouldn't be an issue anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, but for all the viewers watching, yes, hopefully um, the broadcasters don't cut it off. Um, but who knows? That's a very, very rare result in any case. We're going to talk quickly about... Um, the W Awards as well, Ali was in attendance there and we saw of course Mimi Hill win the Rising Star, Emily Bates um, win the BNF and and the All-Australian team announced so um, first of all what do you think of those two players mentioned there and, and them taking out the big gongs and um, yeah on the AA team, any surprising omissions? Um,
1: I'm not surprised M Bates won, she i sorry, I'll rephrase that I'm surprised yet not surprised it was her that won like, there are so many big names she but she just she's just so consistent and just flies under the radar a bit so when it came down to to her or Hatchard and then realizing how different their their round 10 games were I I thought it, it would be Bates over Hatchard but the, the more of a surprise for me was Mimi Hill purely because there was the likes of Prespakis and Robottom in contention for that award as well, and in terms of the All Australian team, my my biggest surprise omission is actually Cora Staunton. She kicked what second, like equal second most goals in the entire league this season, and still didn't get it. So what? A, what does she have to do to get in?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. We, of course, did have one Irish woman make it in the O'Dwyer, which was good to see, make the All-Australian team. A yes. bit of irony about it, but um, yes. thoroughly deserved. Um, Pete, anyone for you that was unlucky to miss? I, I do have one that I can nominate, but I'll let you do it first. No,
2: no, look, I don't I don't want to see your thunder with that one because um, I, I do agree. I think Staunton is the um, the most unlucky Um I mean, the day that, and this is for all leagues ever, the day that they stop naming mids in defence or attack <laughs> would be fantastic. Um, look, Hayley Miller's an absolute fantastic star, but what? Like, I don't i don't understand that in the forward line. So um, I know she can kick goals, but yeah, it, it's a midfielder. You, you reduce yeah. them to a midfielder, put her on the bench and take another midfielder off maybe. Um, look, it's a difficult job, no doubt about that. But um, yeah, I think Staunton is definitely the one for me. All the ones around her had it. Um, there's a couple in that forward line I'd probably have her ahead of, but um, yeah, it still is what it is. So yeah. I you... think
0: we're all um, unanimous about that one. Um, Bree Moody as well, I'd like to throw up as a name in there. Probably the best ruck in the competition. <laughs> um, um, yeah, a bit of a unicorn. Um, so she's one of my favourites and, and definitely had another very good season. She, of course, did get the nod last time out. But um, yeah, to round out the W Awards... So, did you have a good time, Ali? Your first time there?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a bit overwhelming at times. You don't know what you're doing, and it's all a bit fancy and proper, and you feel like you don't you're a bit of a um, what's the word? <laughs> um, a bit out of place. Bit of, yeah, bit of a fraud. But yeah, it was an interesting experience. Shall shall we say? There's you get a different insight at, as compared to watching on TV.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, of course, out of those, or out of that ceremony, we had a chat with Mimi Hill. Um, so I'm going to throw to that now, of course, Salve uh Elise Collette, part of the scrum there.
1: Right, just firstly, coming out off the ACL, what were your expectations coming into the year? Um, I think, for, like a lot of
3: people have said to me, that they thought, I was just they were hoping I'd just get a touch, <laughs> just get a kick. Um, but I, I was really excited to, to see what I could do because sitting on the sideline I was like so frustrated and Carlton were getting thumped <laughs> so like I knew I could make an impact um, so that was I'm really happy with what I put out there. Yeah. Um, I think probably just I've just tried to stay involved with the group um, you can get really isolated when you're in rehab but um, I knew that what the girls need for me um, they needed me to just be there for them um, especially them them when we were losing um, and I think that made it really easy for me Especially like Most important in just for me, I guess, like as soon as I did it, the day I did it, Brett Munro, general manager came to my house and talked to my parents and said so for offering her a two-year contract extension. That that mentally is massive for me because yeah. then I knew that they were backing me and they were gonna give me all the resources I needed like they do. So, Yeah, that
0: they did. So fantastic was Rising Star Award winner Mimi Hill speaking at last night's W Award. Of course, um, we are speaking on Wednesday of this week. So last night, um, that is the context for you. Uh, we're going to move on to the VFLW. And of course, after another round of action, we had plenty of big results. I'll read out all of the games for you. First up, we had Casey, 5-6-36, defeating Collingwood three eleven twenty nine. The Southern Saints, 6 9 defeated Port Melbourne 3-4-22. Darabin, in a low scorer, won 2-3-15 against Williamstown at 0-3-3. Essendon had another big victory, 13-10-88 to North Melbourne's 2-2-14. Geelong, 7-3-45, beat the Western Bulldogs 1-1-7. And rounding out the action was Hawthorne, 7-10-52, defeating Carlton 0-1-1. So, Ali, um, tell me, there's a bit of a gap forming, I guess, in the top three of the league with Casey Essendon and Hawthorne breaking away. Um, very impressive records there, and probably looking like three of the premiership fancies.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and they've they've proven why they're on the top of the ladder. They've they've been putting out such such consistent good performances every week, and if you just look at some of the percentages in particular, like Hawthorns is now even higher than Essendon. Wow. Um, yeah, they've just yeah, been so consistent. Pretty much all season, and yeah, they definitely deserve to be where they are.
0: Yeah, any surprising results from the weekend, or any results that stood out to you?
1: Um, not really. I would say that, yeah, generally the teams you would have expected to win did win. I'm surprised Geelong didn't, as bad as it sounds, for all involved with the Bulldogs I'm surprised Geelong didn't belt the dogs by more. I I believe that is the lowest score the dogs have conceded all season um it yeah I think in general for once yeah the favorites kind of yeah won all the games
0: of course the Bulldogs you mentioned they're the only winless team left of course in the competition at 0 and 7 Um, we're going to move on to the next state league over in Queensland um and over there, there were four games, of course, in that round of action. We had Maroochydore fourteen eight ninety two defeating Yarongar, uh, South Brisbane one one seven, Aspley eleven twelve seventy eight defeated Wilston Grange two straight twelve, Southport ten four sixty four defeated Cooperup one four ten. But the game of the round, which I'll get you to talk about, Ali, UQ. 6 6 drew with Bond Uni, who kicked the same score. So um, two title contenders going head-to-head head and, um, yeah, pretty exciting grand final rematch there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it it was clear, it's so clear why they were the, the teams to beat last year. It was just, it was so close, pretty much all game, and you didn't know who was going to win or draw even in this case until that, that final siren went. Both sides had their had their moments in the game where they looked like the better side and and got a bit of a lead for themselves, but then the other the other side would be able to pull it back. So it was just a very entertaining game of football. Yeah, it
0: sounds exactly like that. Another entertaining uh, facet of the week was, of course, the W Awards, as we've spoken about, and we're going to throw now to an interview with a Queenslander and. Well, former Coffle pal- player or current um, Emily Bates, of course, the league best and fairest.
4: We'll How are you feeling? Oh, just in shock really at the moment. I think it'll start to sink in as the night goes on, but I think it's just such a close count. So at that point, I was just like, what way is this going to go? And I think I had quite a slow start, so I thought. Um, I'm out of it. I even sent a text to a few friends saying, you know, <laughs> it was all hype. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, obviously finished strongly. So I'm just in shock, but obviously I'm really proud. Awesome.
1: Um, you said you made some changes in the off season. What did you do differently this year?
4: Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it was just making sure. Um, you know, I didn't. A lot of my training, I would do sort of while I was at work, and then I'd leave so that I could go, you know, home at a reasonable time. But I just made sure I never chose convenience over doing group sessions. So it just meant every every. Afternoon, I was making sure I got to the gym. or got to a group session with the girls so that every session I did, I was constantly pushing myself and I wasn't just doing it alone. Um, so I just made the choice to never choose convenience over you know, the harder sessions with the group um, and even just diet. Just, I just really wanted to clean that up and be as disciplined as I could and just see what I could really turn my body into. So happy I um, Yeah, I think. Um, as a club, obviously, I think we really pride ourselves on how fit and strong we can be. Like, I think our work rate, our tackle pressure and things like that is what separates us from other teams in this competition. I think um, even for me this year, I think my fitness and strength off the back of that massive pre-season means I'm just getting to more contests and I'm being able to impact them in a more impactful way as opposed to just getting there. So I think um, that's really what contributed to this thing.
1: There was a period there when you had a whole lot of teammates leave, but you stuck, yeah. you know, loyal with the club. What is it that's so special about the Brisbane Lions that made you want us to start?
4: I think just um, you know the connection we have, like even with Craig the coach, Pre um, Brock, even as I said in my speech, sort of Matthew Green, our high performance manager, we sort of built this really you know close connection with key staff members, and then even the other key um, foundation players at the club. So yeah. I think. We knew what we could do here, um, and we just packed our culture in, and yeah, I guess the rest is sort of history. Oh, absolutely! I think Queensland um, footy, like participation, is going through the roof. Um, the QA4W is, you know, um, yeah, a really high quality competition now. It's giving us a lot of talent in the AFLW. So, um, yeah, massive shout out to the Yonga Devils, who obviously so played all my footy out and have developed me over the years. So, um, yeah, it's great to be Queensland footy.
1: Can I ask about the prelim? It was yes. obviously really close in the end. Um, how devastated were the team, I guess? What was the mood like, first of all, just after the game?
4: Yeah, it was pretty devastating. Um, yeah, you know, we obviously had the absolute goal to, to make a grand final, then obviously to go back-to-back, but at the end of the day, Melbourne um, you know, are an incredible team and, and definitely just beat us in the day, so I think it's just matter of learning, and the good thing is the, season, the next season so it. so it'll be a matter of just uh, you know, getting over it and um, you know, putting
0: the boots back on and going again for um, season six. That was AFLW 2022 League Best and Fairest Emily Bates speaking at the W Awards. We're going to move on now over to South Australia with our next state league, the Sample W, and Peter, you're going to run us through the eight, or the round eight results, excuse me. I'll read out all of those fixtures for you first. Of course, Sturt 11-6-72 defeated West Adelaide 1-2-8. South Adelaide 6-2-38 defeated Central District 3-4-22. We then had Norwood 7-2-44 getting up over Glenelg 2-4-16. And North Adelaide in the closest game of the round 4-7-31 defeating Woodville West Torrens 3-9-27. So um, I guess a little bit like the VFLW, there's a bit of separation um, between or you know, with a few of the top sides now forming in that competition. So talk to me a little bit about that, Pete.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We're coming to the pointy end of the season. You know, There's probably those uh, roughly sort of four rounds, five rounds left. So there's not long to go. Um, and realistically, I think there's only probably six teams that can make it. Um, and the sixth being Central District, they probably can't afford to make a mistake from here. That's why the clash against South Adelaide was so crucial because the winner... Probably not necessarily booked their spot in the final, but certainly gave themselves a huge chance. And for Central, they now sit uh, third and uh, three and five, I should say. And uh, yeah, they're two wins off the pace. So it's going to be a bit difficult for them. But like Sturt and North Adelaide are the clear two best and they deserve to be where they are. Um, Glenelg, South and Norwood have all had sort of consistent enough seasons with a few down weeks. And and COVID-19, of course, having a huge impact on some of those results, particularly Glenelg and Norwood. Uh, south uh, you know as we said at the start of the year according to their own coach rick watts um they were rebuilding and and they're they're currently in fourth spot so they currently hold the position um to make it into finals but whether or not they hold it'll be interesting but i think those five teams are the ones that sort of stand out and Obviously, you've got the Eagles, who are very, very young, still re, rebuilding, if you like, still having a lot of youth coming through. And then West Adelaide have sort of been devastated between injuries and, and COVID, and just a few things not going right. Um, Yeah, I, I, it's just not been a good year for them. Um, not without lack of trying, but certainly they've had a lot of challenges, and, and, and that's the season it is.
0: Absolutely. We're going to skip out West now, of course, sticking with Peter for the Waffle W chat. Uh, round out round eight there as well. I'm having a bit of a shocker today. Um, I'll give you those results. Swan Districts, 6 5 defeated South Fremantle, 4 twenty seven. We had Peel Thunder in the biggest win of the round, eighteen thirteen one twenty one defeating West Perth, 0 And East Fremantle, 7-10-52, defeated Subiaco, 0-2-2. So two scoreless sides there. Um Pete, do you reckon after that big win, Peel is, I guess, back to its best or was it a bit of a false dawn against uh, West Perth?
2: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for Peel because that was definitely, clearly their best performance of the year, obviously. They did drop off in that third term, though, uh, because it was looking like it could have been a 200-point result. Uh, they burst out of the blocks, had seven goals on the board uh, by quarter time and then 13 sort of by half time. They were really dominating... Uh, West Perth and it was looking real dangerous it's worth noting though the Falcons were completely depleted by COVID-19 and injuries to the point of where they didn't have enough they had to postpone a Rogers Cup um, which is their under-18s effectively um, competition team so they couldn't play that game they didn't have enough players they pretty much had to fill out sort of the reserves and the and the seniors so um, yeah that shows how few players they had available so they're very very young and I know I've seen their list before where they've only sort of got I think two players that are, or three players max that are born before 2000. So they're a very, very young side. So um, yeah, it was pretty rough on them. Uh, But I mean, Kate Bartlett kicked eight uh, without Kira Phillips and Ella Roberts in there. She sort of was the... uh, the main forward and did as she pleased. She kicked about four behinds as well, so could have had a an even bigger day. But it's going to be a real good test for Peel this weekend because I think that they will realise whether that was just happened to be because it was obviously the bottom team in it and the understrength bottom team at that, um, or whether or not they have been able to get back into a bit
0: of rhythm uh, after they dropped three games. And Pete East Fremantle remain undefeated. They've beaten everyone once, um. Bit of a superfluous question, but are they the team to beat?
2: Well, they've certainly shown it uh, on the scoreboard so far this year. I know Claremont have had some big wins and Peel Thunder, obviously, on the weekend, but they've certainly been the most consistent. They've ticked all the boxes and, obviously, they take on Peel Thunder this week, uh, which should be a really good game. Looking forward to that. Uh, We're up to round eight and then round nine, there's going to be a lot of, um, I guess, Uh, youth out, like it'll be out this week as well because they've got the AFL W Under-18 champs uh, playing in SA, but um, East Fremantle have so much experience. Uh, They've got Ash Gomes and Sharon Wong and they've also got Julia Teekle, who kicked six goals a couple of games ago and Zippy Fish is another one who uh, is still playing without, you know, the Under-16s aren't playing yet for them. So uh, really good to see her running around. They've just got so much sort of talent and balance across the board. It's going to be pretty tough. Um, for any side to beat them. I think their defence will be really good on Peel Thunder's uh, attack, uh, who, of course, are going to be without their plethora of of, uh, talented, I guess, juniors. So, um, yeah, I I think they'll keep going, but it'll be a a really good test because I think Peel just needed that confidence booster, which they got. So, um, yeah, it should be a really good clash coming up.
0: So we've heard now from the South Australian and West Australian State Leagues. Of course, plenty of young talent playing in those competitions. And a lot of them are going to filter into the AFLW Under-18 National Championships, of course, Of course, which next see South Australia and Western Australia go head-to-head. So, Pete, looking forward to that one?
2: Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm getting over there, looking forward to uh hitting the road to head down to Adelaide uh, for the weekend and, and catching that action. I'm, I think it'll be a, a really good game. Uh, look, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to finally see these players that, um, for a lot of them, they haven't had championship action. So it's good to finally get them out on the park and they play such different styles. So it's going to be a good clash.
0: Absolutely. So talk to me. Who are some of the players that I guess you're really looking forward to watching out there and perhaps some of the key head-to-head matchups that they're going to be participating in?
2: Yeah, it seems like SA will be well as close to full strength as they can be. It's going to be uh, really interesting to see how they perform. Uh, so I think there's none other really looking forward to um, like more than Hannah Ewing's, who's missed a couple of carnivals due to ankle injuries, and and very much touch wood that she's okay. She's got through the the hard stage, if you like, as in the uh, the sample women's games. Uh, so it'll be quite good to see her out there. She's definitely one to to watch for south australia she's going to be a really strong performer considering what she does against senior players now she'll play against her own age um keely kusterman uh she'll have the freedom by the looks of it to play off half back because they've got enough strength in that inside mid um and and sarah goodwin as well is another one for south australia she's just been in absolutely electrifying form i think she's going to be one that'll really catch the eye and if we look at WA, I mean, Ella Roberts has the runs on the board from last year. She, she's the best player in this draft pool. She's just, yeah, she, I've said it before, she's a cheat code. She's just got um, everything that you want in a player. So she's really, really exciting. Uh, only really the second competitive game back, though, from a, a long-term injury. Broke her ankle. So it's going to be interesting to see how she goes. Other than that, Lauren Wackfa has been in good form as a ruck. Um, Emily Elkington is a bit of a... a Uh, Ruffy, if you like, who's performed pretty strongly for Claremont in the Waffle W. She's another midfielder that I'd uh, be keeping an eye on. So it's going to be a really interesting
0: uh, one with plenty of players to watch. And in terms of the strengths and weaknesses of either side, what are some of the key features for them that they'll be looking to exploit? Yeah, I I think
2: that South Australia have a, a lot of depth, and I think that that's going to be um a real test for wa i think obviously wa have ella roberts who you you don't really have a proper matchup for so um there's very few who have her height along with her you know speed uh, and ability to impact the way she does um but i also think that sa have far greater depth in that regard um i think the midfield they've got a lot of players that can roll through there um that They'd love to play more of their under-16s, but you're only allowed three. So for the first game at this stage, it'll be uh, Georgia McKee for Central Districts, who's just elite on both sides of her body. So clean, really dangerous. I I can't wait to see her. Uh, India Rashid, who's going to be that talented left-footer inside 50. Really um, potent uh, around goals. And then you've got Lucy Boyd as well in that top front end of the field. So... I think those three are going to be really exciting ones for the future, but that in itself shows where the perhaps the weakness, if you like, in, in South Australia lies in the forward line because they've obviously stacked their forward line with under-16s, um, and otherwise they've sort of got three inside mids uh, sort of who are expected to sort of roll through there. So I think midfield-wise, South Australia are huge. They're going to be really dominant. Their defence tick really, really strong. Their forward line's just a little bit of a question mark. Very exciting, but very young. So I think that the WA defence, which should have some overages potentially in it, depending on what uh, WA do with their captain, Bella Mann, and and Emma Nanet as well, who both had experience last year, They've they've got quite a bit of experience back there. So um and they've also got more height although we we should note matilda schultz will be taller than anyone there so um she's going to be quite tall but they've got wakva and georgie cleaver who can rotate through the ruck so straight away they've got two aflw academy rucks so i think that's going to be the the crucial head-to-head if you like who wins the ruck could go a long way to who wins the match but yeah it's going to be an interesting one with all these uh yeah talented players finally stepping up
0: you said it there um i'll ask you who wins the match
2: yeah, I, I think South Australia will. Just too much depth for me. Um, yeah, their, their mids can kick goals. So I'll go with them by probably uh, for probably five, six goals.
0: And of course, we've already seen Vic Metro and Vic Country go at it in this year's Under-18 National Championships, and that leads us nicely into our next discussion point, uh, which will be the NABLE Girls Grand Final. But before we do that, we're going to hear from Western Jets coach Robbie Chancellor, who I spoke to after the Jets' preliminary final win over the Eastern Rangers. Right here with Robbie Chancellor the Western Jets coach after their historic
5: win over Eastern Rangers and you're into the grand final mate how does that feel Um oh it's a great feeling it's it's you know the 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 group sat down at the end of last year a bit disappointed with, you know, th- you know three wins and, and five losses with the group that we had. And the girls said, no, no, we want to aim to make finals. And they've certainly achieved that. And, um, you know, another fantastic performance tonight. And we, we give ourselves an opportunity to, to make history for our program and be the first group of girls to, to win a flag. So it's, it's very exciting. Yeah, well, it's not just the first group of girls to win a
0: flag. You're the first group of girls to make a final, win a final um are you sort of dreaming now i know you said one to go in the rooms there but is it feeling a lot more real
5: oh uh, yeah definitely definitely i think funny like the coach in me is always look look at next week and not try and look too far ahead i guess next week now is a grand final so it, it's okay to to enjoy the success we've had um you know and i'm really looking forward though some of the girls stepped up tonight that was a physical game um which we probably haven't had too many of but they're up for the fight and, and next week will be the same and you know, we've got a chance to make history and part, part of the responsibility of girls coming through the NAB League is just, you know, the AFLW gets better every year and, and these groups of girls are going to go one further than the one before them and that's been something that's really motivated our group and I think we've certainly done that with some of the, some of the football we've played this year. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it stacks up on the big stage. Yeah.
0: I know sort of NAB League regions are quite insular in their preparation. You look at what you can do as a team, but you've got either Dandenong or Geelong um, next week. It's pretty fresh opposition for you, so how do you feel you, you match up on them?
5: Uh, we, we played Geelong, big body, tough side, who I'd say would be suited to, to finals contested footy obviously I haven't played dandy, um, seen bits and pieces of their play. But but to be honest, we have focused really hard on, on creating a brand of footy and building a bit of an identity with how we play, our handball and our run, um, our urgency to defend. Um, you know, fast feeder stoppages. I think the girls have real clarity on, on what we expect f- from them, and, and that's been a strength in, in, a, in our season, I think. Like, while we've had some outstanding performers, when you go through our stat sheet at the end of games, there's a lot of girls chipping in and playing their role and, and playing a part to the, to the, to the bigger win. Um, so that'll be what we do again, you know. We'll do a little bit of planning, but, but not too much. We just gotta back in what we've been doing. We've we'll won nine in a row. Girls are full of confidence. Um, it's going to be a cracking game. I You talked about your identity and, and game style.
0: I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a lot of a, it was a bit of a different game tonight, where you, you had to play a contested brand. You had to really hold on in that last quarter, play a lot in your own half. So, were you happy with how the girls were able to adapt to that sort of game?
5: Yeah, definitely. It, it's been a strength of um, probably the last couple of weeks. Like, um, even last week, early in the game, we were getting slipped goal side and, and their midfielders were outspreading us and we challenged the girls at quarter time and, and they got it done. Like The ability for this group to adjust and, and adapt to different things within the game um, is is years beyond you know their age. And it's been really, really impressive. You know, Easton, to their credit, they threw a lot of numbers around the ball to try and clog up that space. Um, that we like to play with but you know we had to play a more combative game and we we're able to do it it's a it's a real credit to the group we've got and just they'll just do whatever it takes to win really yeah. and just lastly obviously you have a few stars in your ranks but um
0: you know speaking on off air you sort of told me that there are a few others that stepped up so who else
5: were you happy with tonight oh, I think like even even some of some of our girls like kate maxwell and the jet ajami play, playing on the last line of defense against you know well, well undersized compared to their opponents, but just finding a way to get it done. And and while they might not blow up the stat sheet, you know, those contests and those moments are what help you win games. Um, you know The young brigade in um, Christy Lee, Western Turner, Sierra Grease was good again tonight, Lulu was fantastic. Um, it's, it's that next tier of players, outside the probably the, the Metro crop that we, we expect it from, that are really stepping up. Um, I thought the forwards lifted in the second half for us. Um, with their energy, and, and that played a big impact in, in kicking those goals in the third quarter to win us the game. All right, one to go, mate. Looking forward to it. Yeah, one
0: to go. Thanks, That was yours truly chatting to Western Jets coach Robbie Chancellor after his side's prelim final win over the Eastern Rangers. Of course, that means that the Jets will line up in a historic grand final meeting against the Dandenong Stingrays and Pete. Um... Just talk me through, of course, uh, the the semi or prelim final results. Uh, firstly, with the Jets four five twenty nine getting up over Eastern two 4, 16 sixteen. We were both at that game. What stood out to you? Oh well, Mon Ham stood out to me. Yes. I think um, she
2: was absolutely brilliant. Saved her best. Well, it's not going to be her last, as as we can see. But um, yeah, she's that was her best performance all year. Like, she's had some great ones, but. Standing up on the biggest stage, uh, really stepped up, and it allowed, uh, I guess, her partner in crime, Charlotte Baskerin, to be able to play different roles behind the ball, do all that kind of thing. And and she was well supported by, you know, Trini Skenderis and Steph Asiak. Um, even the likes of Kira Wiley, Paige Ryan, who run on the outside. They've got that depth through the midfield, which is really, really exciting. But Montana Ham's just absolutely brilliant. You know, 29 disposals. She had four marks, nine tackles you know, uh, seven inside fifties, even four hit outs, like she's sort of doing it all. And um, yeah, she's going to be really, really hard to stop. And I think, again, she'll be the player that Danny Nong have to try and contain. Um, but I think that she's definitely one to watch where for Eastern, obviously, this is the end of the road. Uh, it, it's worth noting, they've, they've been pretty unlucky in terms of injuries. And I, I hate saying unlucky when they get drafted. But Obviously unlucky from a team perspective. They lost Bridget Deed, uh, who's lucky enough to get drafted up to Hawthorne. Um, and then obviously they lost Alicia Pisano and Mia Austin, both the injuries. So you've lost your best midfielder and your two probably your two best forwards, to be fair, um, all in the space of a, a few weeks. So um, they certainly were well under strength, but that's taking nothing away from Western, who thoroughly deserved the win um i just think that eastern had performed so strongly all year and unfortunately it just it, it's the luck of the dice and um we'll never know whether it would have impacted but um no doubt they would have loved to have all three out there so um, unlucky, but they can be proud with their season because, you know, Mia Bush was impressive. Um, Izzy Curry was fantastic. Um, Grace Walsh really stepped up, really impressed me. Probably the best game I've seen her play from a b- big stage perspective anyway. So um, that's there's plenty of positives to take out of this and uh, obviously for some of them, they'll be heading to Metro or, or VFLW now.
0: That's right. Another team that performed very, very well during the year, the undefeated Dandenong Stingrays. That's who the Jets will meet in Friday night's decider, of course, they got up 7 against the Geelong Falcons 31432. Um, 14 Pretty inaccurate kind of scoreline there um, from the Falcons who had more scoring shots in the end. But um, yeah, talk to me a little bit about that game, that result um, and a few of the key players out of it. Yeah, I mean,
2: you don't want to say it's not surprising, but um, Danny Long had just been the superior team all year, and um, that I mean, we, we have a good laugh about the fact that um, they don't even need to play four quarters sometimes, because not only are they good enough to win in three, sometimes the games get called off after three, uh, Sprinkler Gate, and then uh, obviously the Tassie injury late in, the, in that fourth quarter. Um, so they've actually been lucky enough that they haven't had to play full games sometimes, but... In saying that, um, you know, that they are a four-quarter team and what we normally see with them is they usually have a, the opposition sticking around and then... Um, they just sort of kick away in the second half. This game, that you could tell they came to play. Like straight away, they're like, "Nah, this is finals. We're not taking risks." And they really stepped up in that first half. And I mean, yes, uh, Geelong were inaccurate, but they also, you know, that's that's due to the pressure. They weren't getting as many good looks as Danny were. They they'd get it down and, and really impact. And then Danny Nong uh, couldn't quite uh, break through, if you like, because that's still 14 scoring shots. To 17. So if Danny Long kicked a few more goals in that second half, it uh, might have impacted it. Uh, Geelong obviously had a lot of uh, scoring chances in that final term that could have seen them get over the line. But Danny Long's defence is just brilliant, and it's sort of hard to really, you know, understate just how deep their squad runs.
0: Talk to me then a little bit about a few of the key players for either side. I'll get you to name five from both regions that you're very much looking forward to stepping up on the big stage and, and then maybe we'll have a chat about how they match up in each other.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, look, from Danny Nong, uh, Mackenzie Erdley is the one for me that I think is really, really impressive. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see whether she ends up going to Caitlin Sargent or whether she ends up playing that looser role. Probably more of the looser role um, because she's so good in the air and so good at rebounding off. So I think that that'll be um, really important that she's able to do that. But then in saying that, I think Weston will be very aware of that and want to put a player on her that can potentially limit her impact through the, um, you know, defense. So for me, I think she's their most important player, which, you know, they've got so many quality players, but there's no one who can kind of do that role like she can. Um, obviously Amber Clark, you, you can't mention Danny without mentioning her, you know, her speed or ability in, in front of goal, her, she can run and, and gun it and really dominate. Um, she could probably be a bit more accurate when she's late, like running into goal. She's had a few weeks, uh, in the past where she sort of missed quite a few that she'd normally get. Um, but she, she'll probably be a big stage performer. So looking forward to how she goes, um, I'd probably go with M. Shepard, of course, because she kicked five goals a couple of weeks back, was a little quieter in this game, but she's someone who could uh, have a real impact up forward if given the chance. Uh, I think she's one that you've got to really um, be wary of, and I think she'd be a good player that uh, may well uh, crack in against the, the inside mids of ASIEC and um, obviously Skenderis. Uh, they might even put her on hand potentially if they go head-to-head, which would be a fantastic matchup. Um, but I think Felicity Crank will be the one that'll get the job in there. And um, I, you're not allowed to tag in this, but I think Crank becomes an important player because she will be someone who will go body to body with either Baskeran or Ham. She's sort of in between their size, but um, she'll be the one that'll probably have to go body to body with them. So that'll be really interesting. And I'd say Shepard will probably take the other. Um, and then if we look at the other ones there, Liv Robinson, look, you know, I've been a fan all year. Um, I've, I've said quite openly, I think she's pretty stiff not to get Vic Country. So for me, I think she's a really crucial player to to keep an eye on. And, and likewise, for the, the sort of fifth player, if you like, Taylor Gatt, someone who I really rate um, and someone that, you know, just runs and guns it and, and is able to impact so uh, heavily uh, in in a game. Uh, doesn't have to be a high possession player, but someone who really impacts. And, of course, it's mention, worth mentioning she's not playing, but... um. You know, Charlie Ryan, who's uh, unfortunately copped that injury uh, for Vic Country against Metro. She would have dearly loved to have been out there. But, I mean, if you look at Weston, the the first two are pretty obvious. You know, Montana Ham again, Basker in that midfield group, fantastic. Um, Crystal, Crystal Russell in the ruck, she should take advantage and, and really control that ruck, I would think. Um, although, you know, she, she'll she be going up against in in a bit of a Metro Country battle, if you like. Um, because, of course, Nong have their own uh, country bottom major, if you like, Bianca Lynn in the ruck. So that'll be quite fascinating. Uh, Caitlin Sargent, pretty crucial. I think if she can kick a few goals, it'll give Weston a real opportunity up there. And then for me, uh, Laura Elliott is probably the other one who's absolutely crucial, similar to Erdley, She's one of the most important players based on how much we know that Nong are going to get their chances, because we know they're going to get their chances. We know what they're capable of, and, uh, yeah, that defence will have to stand up.
0: That was four players. You got one
2: more. Uh yeah, I've, I've got plenty. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, look, uh, look. I think, it, well, it'll come down to the midfield. Probably, um, yeah. Steph Asiak in there. I think will will be a crucial one simply because um, we know that Baskerin and Ham will be closely watched. So it means that either she's got to try and take some of that load off them or she's got to actually block and help and, and do all that defensive team stuff for them to enable them to do what they do. So, um, yeah, I think Danny Long are going to be very good to match up against them. So they're going to need more of a contribution from them, maybe their, their next tier down. Um, so it's going to be really interesting
0: that way. Of course, way. you've got to watch out for the equal leading goalkeeper Caitlin Sargent, as well for the Western Jets. Who is winning this game, Pete?
2: I think you know which way I'm going with this. The same team I've gone all year. Um, I said from... Round one, they were going to win, and that they'd go through the season undefeated. They've done that, um, and one more game. So I'm going to go Danny Nong. I think this will be the biggest challenge they've had. I, I do rate the Jets. I think they're doing well, but um, yeah, I think just Danny Long. They'll be too strong. Um, yeah, and even you know,
0: if they don't, they've had
2: a cracking season. But I, yeah, I'm going Danny Nong
0: We all know, Pete, that that's your home region. I don't. I don't have a horse in this race, a dog in this fight. Um but I am from a metro region. And that's not the reason that I'm doing this, but I'm going to go for the Western Jets. I think all their work over about four years is culminating in this moment. Uh, this is a team that you know, has two superstars at the top that are just about unbeatable in midfield. Um, they've got the pillars at either end of the ground that are important and play, I guess, above their size. Um, so I think they're going to do or going to make a Herculean effort, and I'm not the expert in this situation, but Weston is the team I'm going to back. Um,
2: I should get you in for the motivational speech. Thanks for yeah. listening.
0: Yeah. Um, that that's On that note, Pete, we're going to round out the podcast. So that's all we've got time for in the latest edition of Game Sense. Of course, thank you to Peter and Elise for joining me today. We'll have our usual coverage over on central.rookieme.com slash AFL for all the players and teams mentioned today. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. And also make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube at Rookie Me Central so you never miss a beat. I've been your host, Michael Alvaro. Thanks for listening. We hope you tune in next time.